Hi kids, this is Bob with Candy Coated Razor Blades. Uh, during a previous podcast, we had mentioned uh, a villain character in Insidious 2 as being a transgendered nun and didn't really speak to that piece. We understand that the depraved homosexual or abused transsexual as villain uh, is a trope, and we will be discussing that during later podcasts, but we do need to take some time in recognizing it, that it is inappropriate and it's not something we encourage or care for. So at this point, we do apologize for not addressing that at the time. Um, if you have any questions, certainly email us, bob at candycoatedrazor.com, or hit us up on the Facebook pages or on Twitter. Thank and, you. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the episode because it's The Void, and it's really awesome. It's fun. Yay. I just used the word awesome unironically. You did. I should apologize for that now. No. I'll apologize for that in front of the next episode. Don't. Okay. Oh my god. Collaborate and listen. Boy. Collaborate and summon. Hammer time. Anyway. Okay. Strike a pose. That's Void. 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 Cthulhu is where you'll find him. Stop it! <laughs> oh, fuck! H.P. Lovecraft, Jimmy Dean. <laughs> on the cover of a magazine. Oh, my God. H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen Stuart King. Stuart Gordon, Robert Block. I, I'm Both had to... marvelous cock. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, names quickly. It's not, yeah. it's not easy. Oh, okay. This is Candy Coated Razor Blades. I'm the bottle of bleach that gets your cultist robes the whitest and brightest, Bob. And here are my co hosts. Hi, this is Alex, and I truly have found my next great choir robe. <laughs> and I'm Andy, and I've got way more junk in my trunk than just simple pieces of flair. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so, all right, we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about a trailer we saw today called Housewife which is fun. We're also going to talk about The Void, which is a 2016 film, which is the same title as another 2016 film, and a film from 2017, which gets really confusing, but it's really about, like, H.P. Lovecraft 80s throwback bullshit, which is awesome. And we'll talk about some news regarding Jeepers Creepers 3 at the end. So, candy coated shell, let's go. Housewife. Housewife. Housewife being the new project from Baskin director Ken Evrenal. Did I say that right? I think so. I think so. Uh, my um, Turkish is rusty. Mine is... Mine is non-existent. Uh, so, there you go. But, oh my god. I, I had some great so gravy, much. though, the other night. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, that was, that, this was the trailer. And it's only like a minute long, and my god, there's a lot in that minute. Oh, jeez, yeah. So much happens in that minute. There's some oh. great shoes. Just walking down the those shoes. steps. Yeah. Yes, those girl. shoes were fantastic. Were but stop shoes. painting with your goddamn menses. Just stop <laughs> it. Stop it. So much blood. So much and and the kid coming out of the toilet, no less. Well, they bloody hands coming out of the toilet. Drown a kid in a toilet, so there were some eyes wide shut. Realness going on with that sex cult. Oh my god, so many naked, naked. But you didn't. Which is okay. You didn't. It was an all ages trailer. It was. (laughs) (laughs) There were children present. It's a family picture. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I'm 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 down. Like I'm. And Bob, you even mentioned it. It was like there's this kind of like. Um, Argento kind of thing going on. Oh, it's on. super Suspiria. So it's drenched so... in fucking colors. I don't think it's going to be the same kind of movie, but the trailer reminded me so much of the trailer for Hashtag Horror, which the trailer for that movie got me so excited. I haven't seen it. I know Bob watched it and hated it. I didn't even finish it. Yeah, I, I will watch it because I love, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Chloe Seveny. Chloe Seveny. Oh. I love her yeah. to pieces. Um, after watching Big Love. Like, and and her time. parts in the movie are fine. It's everything else around her that yeah. just sucks on toast. Yeah, just, I need no. to watch it. But that reminded me of that trailer. And I remember um, going to see a lot of movies. And um, where I go, I go to the same theater. And they, they have the same basic trailer reels for horror movies. So if you go like 
four times in a week or something, or you see five movies on a Sunday because you're bored. Um, you'll see that trailer over and over again. I just remember seeing that trailer and being so excited. And this trailer, if Housewife popped up in the same way, I would be in love. Like every time I see that trailer, I'm just gonna be like, I wanna see those shoes in action. They're pointy, <laughs> they're gorgeous. I just wanna see that one painting burn. I think that was burn. ugly. It was ugly like, painting. <laughs> I love that. Like, like, like your worst alcoholic aunt went to wine and painting. Just stop oh, it. Wine and painting. But the painting with the, like the neon lighting and stuff like that. That was so neon demon and so pretty. Yeah. Was it glittery? No, no glitter. Fuck no glitter. you, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Three in a row. <laughs> but no, I mean, this one just looks like this, this, this mishmash mind fuck and I'm kind of looking forward to it. I know it looks glorious. It looks like the kind of you know and always my fear with trailers. You know with independent movies more often there isn't a studio marketing executive who is cutting the trailers so sometimes they're a little more but I've had trailers hurt me. Yeah we all have. But I mean like so American Fable. Dunkirk was fucking painful. It was literally. I, I still wanted to see that. You didn't like it. I, I didn't see the movie. I'm the trailer not was a literally fan of painful. War movies. Yeah, I, I, I went like to see Wonder Woman in IMAX, and the trailer for Dunkirk was so loud and oh. painful. I I literally had my fingers in my ears. No one likes his his movie. No, no. But, I don't but, like Nolan's movies. So American Fable had this amazing trailer that was like there was going to be a Black Knight, and it was so so cerebral and yeah. interesting. And you watch the movie, and it is this boring you know, crime drama, living on the farm kind of family movie. And the Just girl has like two dreams where she, she dreams about this black knight you see in the trailer. And it was like, this trailer lied to me so thoroughly. <laughs> they kangaroo jacked it. Yeah. Uh, Ditches. Yeah, or Black why Christmas. Did, the remake why? of Black Christmas did that where they refilmed extra no. scenes just for the trailer. Bastards. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Kangaroo Jack needs to not be ever reminded of. Just no, stop. No, I know. And you're horrible. You you're a horrible person. I've never even seen it. I, but, I had no bef either. Before we go on, I love myself. I actually really like the Black Christmas remake. But no, that's all I'm going to say. I like the Black Christmas remake, but that trailer, the trailer did lie. The trailer was fantastic. I want to see that movie. Yep. With bitches getting like dragged across the ceiling and Great all these extra shit. things. Like the trailer was wonderful. The movie, also good, was not the bill of goods that was sold in the trailer. Another good example of this is Ava's Possessions, mm. a movie I also love, but it is again a slow movie. It kind mm. of builds to something. And the trailer sells it to you like it's going to be this hard hitting, fast paced possession romp. Yeah. And it's more of like a, you know, 12 step <clears throat> program. And a great cameo by Carol Kane. Right. Love her. Carol Kane is amazing. Well, so, but like, if you think of like the trailer for Baskin, which actually kind of was a little heavier on the. the what? Makes as much sense as the movie Baskin. But yes. I love, love the movie. I know. I love still... it. Yeah. No, but I love the trailer too. I think just maybe even the way that that was cut together versus how this was cut together. Yeah. They even started it. They even started it like with some like slightly ominous kind of slower moving shots they, of, of what's going on. And then it gets more and more. I, I still say never know. trust any horror movie with a fucking blanket fort in it because horrible things are going to happen to children. Oh, but that's not a bad. Parents are listening. Parents will fucking talk about. They will fucking stick a knife up your ass. They'll do anything if they think their kids are on the line. Is, is so the knife like, going to be covered in a nice, like, cow car, though? I don't even know. But it's, like, <laughs> it's, of, but it's like every movie we watch. Like, okay, you, the, the, you know, this, the, the, the Belko void. Like, it's, it's always, there's always that one guy who's like, hey, man, I've got kids, so I have to kill, like, everybody around me yeah. <laughs> just to get at my kids. It's true. It's, it's like, uh, it's like the, the, you just know, like, so if you're in a horror movie and someone's like, hey, man, I've got a wife and kids, just step back if, if you're in a horror movie in a giant house with a fantastic staircase that you get to walk down in fabulous shoes and yeah. there's kids involved those children are going to die yeah Just saying, you can't says... have those shoes and children <laughs> right somebody's gonna get a stiletto heel in the eye and that makes me happy they'll deserve it they will <laughs> so we're looking forward to housewife uh so let's move on shall we we good sure. so to the to the nutty center <laughs> the nougat the nougat 
Which you cannot just buy a jar of nougat. I don't understand that. What is nougat? Do I'm we know sure, what like, nougat Gordon is? sells some nougat. Probably. <laughs> so, we are talking about The Void. The Void. Parentheses, 2016. Close parentheses. <laughs> Written and directed by Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky. Starring Ellen Wong, Aaron Poole, Kenneth Welsh, Kathleen Monroe, and Daniel Fathers. Cool. Most of whom are people nobody knows, but they actually... Isn't Ellen Wong, doesn't she do one of the voices on Futurama? I don't know about that. Mm. She was Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, I loved her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, she was in the Silent Night remake. Ooh. She has this weirdly sort of deep screaming no, voice, too. She, she gets loved, yeah. like yeah. in really interesting ways. She's in Glow, apparently. That's oh, yes, yes. Oh, and my the you forgot that one of the hottest characters, Mike Biskov, was the son, mute son. I was too busy being distracted by the dad, Daniel Fathers. Yes, because yes, 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 yeah. all of them, all of yes. yes, all of yes, father and son. Same mm. time. I'm all in. And actually, uh, the guy who played the nobody shot. needs to know about your incest, super, fantasies. super hot shotgun, no, totem daddy. Really related. Well, they aren't, <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> So the guy who plays the shotgun daddy is Daniel Fathers, who had a voice role in a little movie I love called Pontypool. Like Pontypool? I fucking adore Pontypool. Did you see his follow-up? What was his follow-up? No, I never there, got to see it. Why was there it. a follow-up to, to that? No, no it's, it's his, but the director. It's another movie no, that no, he no. made, and Stephen McCaddy is in it. I yes. never got to see it. Um, I feel like I've watched it. I can't think of what it I, is. I saw the trailer, and I died, oh. and I still haven't seen the movie yet. So the deal with the void, while while we're looking at our phones, apparently, um, <laughs> the deal with the void is we've got people basically trapped in a hospital by a bunch of cultists that are trying to open up yet again another sentient hole. Um, it's very H.P. Lovecraft, very throwback to the '80s, uh, very a uh, little claustrophobic, very practical effects, very practical yeah, effects, which all, made me happy. Almost all practical. There's very little CGI, <clears throat> if any. Yeah. So, so I, I'm very good with that. I, I love yeah. I, I love practical effects, and a lot of times they're they're better handled than CGI. I love what they've done. With they're less here. clockable. Oh, and uh, one one more little actor note, just I just because I the, the the Kenneth Welsh, the the, the doctor, mm -hmm. Doctor Richard, uh, is actually best known for playing Wyndham Earl in Twin Peaks season two, when Twin Peaks started to get good again after the lull. I'm I'm a horrible person. I have Wait, never watched Twin Peaks. Season two is when it gets good again. I think no, no one the, in the world. The, the end. The end of season two when it started to not suck again. <laughs> I watched I watched like three episodes of Twin Peaks and I cannot bring myself to go back. Like I'm rewatching Voyager before I'm watching Twin Peaks. Ooh. I love Voyager. Shut the hell up, Andy. Ooh. No, Janeway was the best captain. She's my favorite. She is. Her and her coffee. Do it. And her hair. Her many hairs. Her yes. many hairs. She has so she has many. She has several. Um I <laughs> The Janeway bun. Anyway. <laughs> this, this is another movie. Never catch her chewing her hair. Um, just like with hashtag horror that I saw the trailer a million times. Yeah. And I was obsessed. And I actually think again the trailer sells a different movie than we get with the void. And did you either of you seen the trailer for this? No. It is like deep voiced. Um it's actually I think it's the voice of um, the doctor at the end when he's kind of that overly mm. gravelly and it's like just him saying quotes from the movie and mostly like doors and darkly lit rooms and those triangle masks. And yep. It sells like mm. almost a Baskin movie. Without the naked people. Yeah. No. But, and, well, and there are some, there's some there naked are some bloody torsos. Again, I love it is, it is I'm actually excited. a really strong through line with Baskin. It's very similar. Yes, and there's actually a lot of connections to... Um, is it Prince of Darkness that Carpenter did? Oh, I've been wanting to see yeah. that. I never did get yeah. around to seeing it. There's a lot of connections, like on yeah. purpose connections. Oh, yeah. The, two movies. the directors um, obviously have a huge fondness. Well, hell, um, um, Baskin was fucking influenced really heavily by John Carpenter and Stephen King, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but this wasn't just influence. Like, the directors made specific choices right. to connect things. It's kind of pastiche, kind um, of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think this... What I love about horror movies is that there's this pull. The rest of the world is kind of leaving the 80s nostalgia. We've like rejoined, we're starting to go into 90s nostalgia. Um, we're like in the 90s, we were doing 70s things, and then we were doing 80s things, and we're kind yeah. of moving toward the world is re-remembering the 90s now. But horror is like 
doubling down on the 80s. Because yeah. the 90s were not good for horror. They were not. I, I don't know what we would do if we were like doubling down into the 90s. We're going to do like another meta. Like, I love Scream. Like, okay. And I love some 90s stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. like, we're going to becomes... dig up Kevin Williamson and have him write. Another... We're going to reboot Final oh, Destination. He's... Oh, I do love those. Movies. I do. <laughs> Ur- Urban <laughs> because Legends. Death, death as a friggin' yeah. slasher killer is just I the best it. thing. Um,. But I, CW. But we are, we are, yeah, yeah pretty much. With, with all of its Dawson casting, but, everybody in those movies is 90, me- That's 90 where, years old. Where does it came from? Was Dawson's Creek? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, because the 80s was kind of a golden age of horror, it, it was, really was. It, was. it was kind of what brought horror into what it is today. Yeah. Be, because that's when we had the slasher renaissance, and that's when we had. Uh, a lot of movies like Life Force and trying to bring in uh, like the unnameable and people started to branch out from just slashes too because you had like Wes Craven was yeah. was was he did like Deadly Friend which didn't work but it failed magnificently Nightmare on Elm Street which was a slasher but even when he got yeah. away from that he was doing shit like Serpent in the Rainbow which mm-hmm. is one under of my the stairs. one of the bestest movies ever yeah People both Under the Stairs are. is completely underrated they're it's, both it's marvelous hilarious. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious marvelous. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of other things that happened with horror in the 80s. I mean, yeah. it brought us a lot of what is Cronenberg. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. you got your you got your Hellraiser and your Candyman. There's a lot of stuff that came out. It's oh, Hellraiser. So yeah. 80s that... that, that um, so 80s it hurts. Well, no, but like there was this... You, I guess there was this weird little window when you could do weird yeah. stuff in the 80s. And but the people 80s would go also, see it. The 80s gave us gremlins, and that makes me happy. Yeah. The 80s gave us a lot. And the 90s did a lot of good stuff. And it laid the groundwork for what became, you know, movies like Saw, which, you know, love it or hate it, Saw opened the doors yeah. for horror and kind of revitalized the genre for a while. And, and then Blair now, Witch, too, as well. Yeah, Blair Witch did a lot of Being good things a, for found footage. Well, because it, it followed the same indie model that a lot of other, like, films in the 90s did. Yeah. So, they, and it kind of brought horror up in that way. And, you know, and now almost... The, the the newest horror renaissance are these the micro budget horror films with Bloomhouse and mm-hmm. and then this like the expansion of indie yeah you know indie yeah. horror making is like where it's at you know you go see studio films because you go see them every once in a while there's a good one it's kind know? of like this digital resurgence of the the direct to Directed VHS. Yes. Sort of thing. Which, you know, I love. And I'm still waiting for my big budget remake of Frankenhooker. Make it happen, Hen and Lauder. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah. You still have to see, what is it? The Frankenstein Bikers or something that was at Nightmare. Oh, last there's year. one that it's, I think it's on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix. I don't know. I saw something about it. Or was it, no, that was Frankenstein's Army. Yeah. Um, no, I can't remember the name of it. And I'm doing a disservice because it was actually a fantastic movie from everyone I heard. I didn't get to see it. Um, but no, so I love The Void. I love the storytelling in The Void. and It was a tight little story. Yeah, it was so tight. It was really, felt really good. The acting yeah. is a little hit and miss, like but the best really version it's okay. Anus. Acting is, well, and that's just the, this, the takeaway. When you do an indie movie and you don't yeah. have the money <laughs> to pay for all good actor sometimes you just have to take that yeah. grandpa character who is, the grandpa is he, yeah. was, he almost he did rough he kind of mm-hmm. felt like i almost wonder if he has any other acting credits or if he was just like a he guy was, they knew i'm here like, with my granddaughter yeah. who yeah. is knocked up and we don't know who did it and, <laughs> i mean pure slasher fodder like yep. just like she was going to die from the beginning and the, that daughter she wasn't fantastic she wasn't asked to do anything really right but yeah. kind of be like i'm pregnant and then i'm I'm oddly obsessed with this doctor who sacrificed me. Right, and and I'm and it does kind of throw a few wrenches in the gears too, because there are people who die in this movie that you do not expect to die. You don't. Everyone, well, except yeah. the the son and the I pretty much expected the everyone. son and the the nurse who really should not have ever been a nurse. She well, wasn't actually she a nurse. Was, she was a nurse in training. Yeah. yeah. She and you know I don't know what I'm doing. How do I give an injection? She's how do I give an injection? Dude, it's harder than you think. And she probably has fucking marks on my arm from the last time they did a blood draw. That was three (laughs) weeks ago. I yeah. My They missed the fucking vein so many goddamn times. Scars from blood draws from nurses. And you try and oh Jesus. Yeah. What was oh and because I think it was they brought in they brought in the fucking guy. 
they brought in the dude in the hospital and he's like thrashing around like crazy and like oh the nurse just finds his vein and gives him a shot it's no big right. deal fuck you that never happened and then peels <laughs> off her face with a pair of scissors oh my god that did so happen. i thought it was, it was really funny i generally a lot of these movies i watch with my partner who is really trying to get into horror he he just has no exposure to a lot of things and he does what normies, as we, we in the horror community call them. Muggles. Um, but what normies generally do, which when he looks at horror, he looks at a movie that's going to scare him. It's all about, like, I want to be scared. And if a movie isn't scaring him, it doesn't work. He doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And and it's... It's a very boring way to look at movies. Well, and it it's, but it's a thing that I think a lot of people who aren't horror fans do with horror movies. And they judge them like that's I think where like the jump scare became the go to for horror makers because oh you jump scare people, you're always gonna scare them. I, I mean, just remember there are people in Hollywood that are paid to throw cats at people. I want that job. Uh, I want that job. <laughs> because because Puss Puss didn't get up here. You know, on its own, really, because there's, I mean, cats are amazing, but they're not that amazing. There are people that are paid to launch cats at actors. It's hilarious. So, yes, you're right that the jump scare is this huge thing. And and I used to be one of those people that, that used to watch horror thinking, if it's not scaring me, it's not good. Yeah. And I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think that's the difference between, like, a horror movie fan and someone who just casually likes horror movies. Yeah. And so, like... He, you know, he didn't like The Void that much because it it wasn't a scary movie in that regard. It didn't terrify him. It didn't shock him. Before that, we watched The Conjuring, mm-hmm. which I do like. I think it is a good movie for what it is. I mean, I don't expect more out of it than... We really need a sound ex- effect for Bob rolling his eyes. Excuse me, I'm having a mini stroke because The Conjuring was horrible. <laughs> it wasn't horrible. It just was what it was. Yeah. I mean, and I like it. It was fine. But it had some jumps. It had some moments that were scary for him. So he liked that. But the void was just kind of dumb. And he didn't have patience for the the practicals because they weren't realistic enough, in his opinion. That's the strangest thing. Is The best thing about the void is that, the, well, there's this sort of atmosphere that sort of runs through the whole thing. And it's just kind of dread that almost as if it were cosmic horror like fucking lovecraft exactly. which is sort of the idea it, it is. That, that is the idea and and along with the the practicals it it read to me very much like a mid 80s brian usna film. no it did it, it it's a it is a fantastic piece of work the practicals were gorgeous Beautiful like stuff. they were not clockable they weren't bad like we've no. all seen you know a practical effect when you cut away and someone's entire skin color changed because they put the dummy in place right you know they there, there are so many moments where, like, you know, even Alien, if you go back to Alien, when Ash gets killed, you have one moment when it's a really obvious dummy, and then, poof, it's, uh, what's-his-name's face popping through. Right. You know, and those are, you know, we all accept those moments, and we're like, eh, it's what they did. It doesn't take away. We all knew it was fake. It's a movie. Well, yeah, so right. it's, it's that notion of suspension of disbelief, and in this movie, like, my disbelief was fucking light in the loafers, man. It was yeah. there was not yeah. there was really nothing, not a lot of work to be done. Even just like the nurse cutting her face off looked really good. Horrible yeah. like tendrils of fuck like burrowing into people's eyes. Yeah. Like yep. that didn't look cheap. That looked visceral and really unpleasant. It made me very happy. And and you're talking about these these huge uh, on on some levels at least you know we're talking like eight nine feet tall filling a hospital corridor you're talking about these gigantic cosmic monsters that you cannot describe it, you're talking you know words like squamous and anything that hp lovecraft would work uh, would use um they, they did do the, they were done very well yeah they did my favorite um we don't quite have enough money to do everything we want the puppet to do trope where you have to go toward the thing that's trying to kill you instead of it coming toward you like <laughs> yeah, they have right. to re- routinely like <laughs> Go toward it, get scared and back off, and then go toward it and get yeah. scared and back off. <laughs> like it's the the TV trope where you're like, we only have enough to build the puppet, but it can't move forward. <laughs> so you have to keep getting closer to it so it can attack you and then run away. I mean, because they can't afford to pay some jackal with a wheelbarrow to just 
shove yeah, it at you. There, there's totally <laughs> this, this episode of Buffy where like they had enough money to build this creature to come up out of the hole, but there was nothing else. They, it could not move. So you literally see Buffy and Spike like run up to it and hit it, and then it like swipes at them, and they have to run backwards. <laughs> really, if they just like stood and threw things at it, they would totally kill it without right. ever getting close to it. This is what throwing knives and guns are for. Exactly. It's just, and it's my favorite trope because you can, you can like watch it and be like, "Oh yeah, you couldn't move." But that the, puppet but then you. they're like, "But wait, guns don't work." Yeah, <laughs> guns never work. Guns know? never guns work. It, and yeah, but also even Little Shop. Little Shop had a fucking budget. Little oh, yeah. Shop had a serious yeah. budget. There were moments of that in Little mm-hmm. Shop. So, oh, like like when it's trying to pull Ellen Green oh, yeah. toward it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, right. But so it's, some of that is actually a part as endemic to practical effects. It is, and of course. And I'm all for it. Like yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I just it's one of those little things that you watch. It's like when you go see a play or something. Whenever there's a mistake on stage, I just laugh. Like, it doesn't bother me. I just think it's funny. I'm like, I enjoy when you break a little or, like, when your prop very obviously failed miserably right. and you just have to keep going. Or when you're Patty LuPone and just stopped the performance altogether to yell at I've somebody seen, with a cell phone. I've seen video of somebody tried to, to, to stage, you know, the movie Clue. Mm-hmm. Somebody's tried to stage Clue as a stage play. It is. It's a musical. Yep. Oh, this was before that. This wasn't even that. And so they're doing the bit at the end where Wadsworth is running people back and forth to different rooms of the house. And the stage is so small that they literally have like lines on the stage that are where each room is. And everybody's hustling down the hall and going into each room. And then you see Miss Scarlet just kind of get this look like steps over the line demurely into the room. <laughs> like, you know, she basically just like steps That may the have been planned. That yeah, probably was. It was great. <laughs> it was the funniest moment in the whole thing. Um, so, yeah. So it comes down to, with this movie, there's one expository scene where they're like looking through the notebook and they have a little bit of exposition. And right. um, the unnamed sexy father man um, kind of provides... He had a name, but I forgot it. No, he doesn't. He's credited he doesn't. as the father. Is he yeah. really? And the boy is credited as the son. Yep. His name is Daniel Father. I thought it was... Oh, God, I thought he had No, they name. never named His real him. name is Daniel Father. I know. <laughs> it's written on my heart. But, yes, it is. But uh, I mean, he's, he's, the he's, heart in your penis, I assume. Uh, no, the heart on, the heart on once, what of once. He, there's so there's a little bit. As of long as Andy has a face. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the question because I, I did not doubt this, but watching this with Paul, told me, you know, created this question. Do you think? that that doctor is the center of this cult or do you think he is just a member of a vast cult i think he's the center yeah i think so too the the way he was speaking towards the end when he finally had um the ex-wife um when he had her on the table and was preparing to do what he wanted to do with her Mm -hmm. the way he was talking made me believe that he was the one in charge of the whole thing they may not have been the only cult but he was the head of that cult so i i so, but that's my question. Because I, is, I could not abide is another the invitation. Only cult, like he is the person in charge of everything, or that there is a grander cult that he is a member of, and he just heads this chapter. I don't. Know I can't say that it matters necessarily to me. Yeah. So, to me, when I watched it both times, um, my read on it is that this is a grand thing. There are people everywhere who are discovering this and working through these yeah. secrets and everyone kind of explores it in their own way. And this doctor chose to do it this way, but other people do it different ways. For example, in Turkey, there was a great big orgy in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went into the basement. And, and that the character's building. name was the father, too. And God he's, yeah. damn it, Baskin. But, um, I, but that's yeah. my impression was that like the cultists in the white robe um, and the triangle, upside down triangle, they were coming from other places and they were just drawn to this because it was a particular spike of this energy. They're all Twilight fans. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. But Paul felt that it was just, this was the only instance. This person was discovering these things. Well, here's the creating. The only thing that makes me think, the only thing that makes me think that it's centralized, that it's, that it's a singular cult in this one area is because of geographic location, because this hospital was central to the entrance to that void. That's the only thing that, I mean, it, there could have been multiple entrances. Like, you know, there are multiple hell mouths in Buffy. Buffy. Um, But yeah, there is. 
So you're suggesting that what? So Sunnyvale was like a like a, a Sunnyvale was one of many. It was a, it was a two input town, pretty much. <laughs> How um, many sentient holes does it have? Just one the one, the oh. just just the one, okay. because you know. Buffy spoilers. Yeah. Now, pretty sure Buffy was the only sentient hole, and you know she had a, m- a number of people go into that <sighs> no, one. No, Willow had a lot of sentient holes. She did. She's a lesbian. Jesus Christ! And as Samantha <laughs> taught us on Sex in the City. We have three holes down there, ladies. <laughs> true. This is actually a conversation they have at dinner. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's probably biologically true, but I'm just like... I mean, if Samantha's into sounding, great. Yeah. Uh. So, but, so you, but you both kind of feel that this is like a one and done. Like, this yeah. guy started this cult and... You know, designed the the hoods with the creepy. Triangle which which were which were very KKK esque, just so people know. I actually, yeah, I have, did. I think it was kind of. I think it was kind of because that seems to be the scope of the story. Um, and you can kind of extrapolate and think, oh, maybe somebody else found this weird door to the triangle dimension. The void. Thank well, you. I like mine better. <clears throat> I would like to point out that they never call it the void in the movie. No, they, they don't. They call it something else that's like vaguely similar to the void, but not not quite the upside down. <clears throat> but wasn't the word the abyss down? mentioned? Yeah, I think it might have been the abyss or something yeah. like that. Um, I just so I don't it, know. It it was just so it was so clear in my mind that this was this wasn't a centralized thing. That it was everyone everywhere can access this, and this is. I feel like there was a convention, like Boy Con. They <laughs> cosplay. They oh, a... <laughs> I wanted to come as the triangle face cultist. Yeah. Like someone wears a purple one, and they're all like, "Oh, we didn't agree on purple yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there, people." Go change. <laughs> Who wore it better? <laughs> a uh, uh, void robe fashion show. Right. Bitches be walking out the room like, Prance, Prance, I say. <laughs> Fucking Prada has one that's all tailored and shit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the best shoes. Real void robes have curves. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> and tit darts. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, but no, it, yeah. uh, ultimately, when it comes down to, to this film, uh, it's. I do think it is centralized. I don't think it's Voidcon. I I don't think that it's uh, this global yeah, thing. That's well that's that's more in keeping with with actual with more of the Lovecraftian theme because yeah. although there are there are so many cults all over the world in the Lovecraft those yeah. um they are not centrally located. There's not like, you know, Cthulhu Con. I mean they the- they just are they're they're yeah, they're yeah, just different yeah. different people who who for whatever reason are like, hey, I'm just gonna worship this guy who's gonna blot out the sun for a million years. Well, and it's it almost seems like the cultists Only in this case, except for the doctor, don't have a choice. It, it's almost as if they're they're just like digmatized. They're because <laughs> we know that this guy is sleeping with a whole bunch of them. Otherwise, uh, yeah. we wouldn't have pregnant girl. The sentient holes. Yeah, he the did actually. Holes. Yeah, he did think he, he he was the father of the. Ooh, God, I crazy. assumed it was um, a don't breathe situation, and it was like a baster. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. We don't like to remember that part of don't breathe. We don't because that was just creepy. And again, this does go to reinforce like you do not ever trust anybody with kids. Never you trust don't. anybody with kids. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't have It's my baby, no, not he yours. He, he thought he was going to get his daughter back. He was ready to end the world to get his daughter back. <laughs> you cannot fucking trust a breeder, okay? <laughs> you just can't. We do, in fact, trust heterosexuals and their children. This is a PSA from Candy Coated <laughs> Razor Blades. I'm just saying. Other gay people, we know the secret words. Don't worry, the breeders won't hear this part. <laughs> <laughs> But the- and, by, and by the breeders, we mean like the alternative rock band from the 1990s. <laughs> They're not listening. Cannonball with them. We love you, Kim Deal. We do. No, really. I actually really do. Kind of amazing. She's written on your heart with Daniel Fathers. Yeah. <laughs> and Adrian? <laughs> Meh. Adrian will grow into the role. But uh, yeah, I just just based on the fact that this is so 80s. 
sub, so Lovecraftian, so so eighties, so, so like 80s. totally too. But it's eighties, but it's eighties in very genuine ways. It's not. It it's it's not like Kung Fury eighties, and it's not like Beyond the Gates eighties. It's like right. Beyond the Gates. Is it's not making so. fun of the eighties. No, it's 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 more like Stranger Things eighties. It's nostalgia. It's yeah, very it's much fondness for the eighties. Yeah, which normally, if if it's directed by Ty West, I would say ew. Because Ty West movies are horrible. Anyway, um, uh, but no, I I really 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 like this one. It was it was fun to watch. It was tense. It was claustrophobic. It was, it was I love, marvelous atmosphere. I yeah. love place horrors. Uh, yeah. I love horror that has a purpose and a place. And you know the hospital, the half burnt moving out of the hospital was so silent right. as much as a character as anything else. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's they took this hospital and and were having this new dimension bleed into it and making it bigger than it was and hospital of leaves basically like this hallway wasn't there before so i could have used more time with the other children mutants yeah i really i they were a great little taste and maybe if i got what i wanted i wouldn't like it but (laughs) i could have used a little more time with them because i feel like they were a really great part that was like one and done Yeah. yeah You beat that stage, moving on to the next level. You know, it was right. kind of like a video game a little bit. With this it movie. It was really like, was. Every time they passed an area, it was like, no going back. We just move forward. We just move forward. We just move forward. Again, very Silent Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And like Silent Hill, like the game, the first mm-hmm. game, maybe even the second oh, one. If Pyramid Head had shown up in this. But not, but not. Right. Not, not Silent Hill, below. the movie, which was not very good. I like that movie. It's not terrible. It's pretty. Yeah, it's it's very very beautiful to look at, but it is a fucking mess. There's another one. I haven't seen the other one. It's hysterically funny. Is it? It's, yeah. it, it plays as a comedy. It's very good. Okay. It's it's not good, but it's well, fun to laugh yeah. at. It's the sort of thing you watch in a double bill with Atlas Shrugged. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's funny. There's two Atlas Shrugged movies. I think they actually even made the third one. Did they? Yeah, I never saw the third one. I Please kill me. I actually have you ever read the like Anne Rand no. uh, versions of TV shows where she like gives her opinion? It's the best <laughs> jokes Jesus ever. Christ. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. So um, no, the the Silent Hill sequel is great for hate watching. And there's is. actually a really cool sort of mannequin spider thing in there. But apart from that, there's nothing. There's yeah, nothing. yeah, it's not. I also no great shape. I feel like um, they chicken the bucket, the wife. The ex-wife, the nurse. Yeah. Or like they kind of just throw her in the room. They attach a lot of things into her vagina. And then we get like one scene and then she's just dead. Yeah. Did he kill her? Did he just disconnect her vagina? Tentacles? She ends up, but she ends up over, she ends she up ends over up in, in, in Triangle Abyss. Town yeah. with uh, Aaron Poole. It was like, it was... Triangle Town sounds like a lesbian bar. That's in Lesbian Town. It is. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and actually they wear those robes. And actually the sheriff... <laughs> The only thing that respect I could the find, V. The guy who played the sheriff. The only thing I could find. The only thing I could find that he was in was this Saturday morning TV show called Strange Days at Blake Halsey High. Oh my <laughs> god! So I like, remember that show. I know. So like, oh god. Oh so no. then like, yeah. And then he and his he and his wife are over in Triangle Town, kind of holding hands. <laughs> it's almost like the end of Potty Pool, actually, except they're not speaking French. Oh my god. That is my complaint. Is the writing is really good until it's not. And yeah. it's like it's like really really good, and then they just did not know what to do, and they're like, throw her in a room and put some tentacles in her pussy, and she's dead. <laughs> right. Or you know, as you do. Yeah, and it was the same thing, kind of like with the father and son. Like they had a really good moment when they admitted they were combined, and mm-hmm. then the father just kind of dies trying to kill the daughter, and it's just over. And then the son yeah. just kind of walks away, and he's just like, eh, I don't know what's happening over there. That's fine. I'm just gonna leave. I'm actually, but I'm scared. The I never... have a fire extinguisher. So go me. Yeah. The father never got to finish a single cigarette in the entire fucking movie. He didn't. Uh, it's so sad. It's because he, he just... he, he's actually quitting smoking. He just does like two puffs a day. Well, he's not smoking but, shit You know, now. seriously, cigarettes are like six bucks a pack. How are you wasting that much money? Stop I it. I swear to God, at the beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah, because the gasoline is... Well, at, the beginning, <laughs> at, the beginning, at the beginning of the movie, the girl's doused in fucking gasoline and he's got this cigarette. He lights it, takes two puffs, and then drops the whole cigarette. And I'm like, if you're going for that kind of a cool move, you could just like flick the ash and do the same thing. Right. Finish the cigarette. Living way cooler. And then you could walk away calmly from the conflagration smoking your cigarette. Do I have to write everything? <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Um, Queen, <laughs> bitch. It's not like he lit the cigarette with a lighter. True. Yeah. He had a box of matches. He could have lit a cigarette <laughs> exactly. and dropped the match. 
So maybe he he could have dropped the match, then let it then lit his cigarette on the girl. Oh god, that sounds horrible. Like Winona Ryder <laughs> at the end of Heather's. <laughs> <laughs> Heather's is amazing. I I prefer Jawbreakers. I do think that Jawbreaker is what Heather's should have been. I think it's a generational thing because I couldn't get into Jawbreaker at all. I like them both. I like Mean Girls too. It's like every few years we have the same kind. We haven't had a new one yet. But Mean Girls didn't have someone end up dead. I tried. I tried. Lindsay Lohan's trying. <laughs> if you watch, I know who Poor killed Lindsay. me. Poor Lindsay. Uh, I cool. miss good Lindsay before she got all cracked out. No, that is good Lindsay. Yeah, true. <laughs> there was no... So like you're suggesting Lindsay that... Lohan is not worthwhile. No. So you're suggesting then that like the father's... Mid, mid-level. Like his, he, his smoking habit just extends to lighting a cigarette, taking two puffs, and then putting it out. Pretty yeah. much. He's trying to quit. Um, he would have started. We get to- it. You vape. Why was it love that? Like, okay, so, so like they're in this abandoned hospital. It's the middle of the night. There's cultists outside with big fucking eyes, and then like the nurse lady's like, "Hey, hey, no smoking in here." Like know, that's yeah. the big problem, um, right? The hospital already half burnt down, bitch. Let it go. <laughs> Which is why she's concerned about smoking. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's a fire hazard. There's like live oxygen in here. There's oxygen everywhere. Shut it. Actually, that's another so, thing though, because yes. this is a hospital that was closing down and yes. was being moved away, and like there was an awful lot of fucking like drugs and supplies still also, sitting around unguarded in this empty hospital. Yeah, this is my this is my thing. I have a problem with with almost all movies. Yeah. Why was this doctor a multi specialist? Like he was an OB. He was a surgeon. Because it's a he small town and they can only medicine. afford one. That is not how that works. <laughs> you hire specialists. Like Why were there the only four people working at this hospital? Because it was closing down. They were closing. moving to the other yeah. They were just basically the emergency room. So he's like a triage doctor. He's a surgeon. He's an OB. Maybe he was just like a GP that... Well, he was doing regular checkups on this girl, so yeah, like well, of course he was doing regular checkups on this girl. She was carrying his demon baby. Well, but he was well, didn't doing they say that, like, Didn't they say like the nearest other hospital was like twenty minutes, two hours, or 20 yeah, which minutes, is yeah. fine. Like if you're pre- if you're having the baby, you come mm-hmm. to the emergency room. But contractions. She was there yeah, thinking that she was going to have that baby. Did she? She, she said I feel something like about that. she was pretending. Probably. That, see, it also does my one of my least favorite movie tropes, which speaking of Saw, Saw does this terribly. Um, if you've both seen Saw. Yes. Okay. So the moment in Saw where the guy who is, you know, the practical nurse, yeah. maintenance guy, and he like goes yeah. over to the daughter and the mother and he like takes the stethoscope and he listens to their pulse while they're freaking out. Mm. But you find out that he was actually in a game and he isn't a sadistic freak. Yeah. And you're like, wait, but then... If you're being tortured into this or you live, why did you go over and listen to their heartbeats? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're not getting pleasure out of them freaking out. You're actually worried about dying and trying to keep yourself alive. Right. Why did you do that? And this movie does that too, which is if obviously she wasn't having labor pains because she walks down several flights of stairs and through a whole labyrinth of evil creatures to get to the man at the end and is not in labor... Yet she was on the floor, like legit saying that she was about to pass out from the labor pains. And the nurse was like feeling her and being like, oh, no, you're having contractions. And the baby is in distress. Like the the nurse who didn't actually know what the hell she was no, doing. No, the real nurse did that first. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's like. I can explain all this, by the way, with two words. Did you have your no prize? Cheat codes. <laughs> God mode. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> well, but she also got, she got dickmatized and. <laughs> Dickmatized. The, the void into the sentient hole of the void. <laughs> um, no, you, you know what the no prize is, right? No, from Marvel Comics, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you, you point out you, you find out an explanation for something that seemed like a plot in uh, a in- plot hole and you find an explanation and a then sentient you win no prize. Hole? Yes, it's a sentient plot. Sentient plot hole. <laughs> They're all sentient plot holes. They are. Um I kind of agree with you about the writing. Um like it's really good and then well, nope. like it, it suffers yeah. from the same problem that a lot of movies suffer from, which is that there's this whole like first hour of atmosphere and terror and dread. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then right. they show you and you're like, I, yeah. I like the end. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, as I age, I grow <laughs> old and lose my hair. Um, <laughs> I, I have an appreciation. Alex is the, the youngest going blind. He is. And has the most hair. He is. I have the most hair at this moment. It's not like if it grew it out, I would have the most hair. But um, 
I, I, I have a, I have an appreciation for ambiguous endings where I am a continuity whore. Like, my sentient whore loves continuity. <laughs> and I just want more. Like, I would watch the four voice by continuity. Where, like, they went in-depth and you read through the journal and every single plot point was explained. I would... I would love these movies, and I would watch them over and over again. I am I, precisely I would, the opposite. I know. I love continuity, but I enjoy yeah. the way the, you know, you have no idea what the purpose of this was. You have no idea where it's going or what he's expecting to do with it. And in the end, they just fall through the hole, but the guy isn't in the hole with them. He isn't in the abyss. It's only the husband and wife. So and the gigant and the big triangle. Yeah. The, yeah. The big, the big pyramid. Which just meant that he wasn't worthy to enter. Is that so? Uh, or he failed his elder gods. Either that or he, I don't know, maybe he fused with it somehow. Maybe yeah. like he's in the triangle. He is the void. Um, he is the sentient hole. He is hole. now a sentient hole. <laughs> um, that's how holes become sentient. They fuse. <laughs> also, here's a random question. Why did dead people want their skin off? Because it just, it's confining. Like that Rick and Morty it moment. Itches. Where either of you watch Rick and Morty. I, you know, I, I've seen a few episodes. I'm so not there's a... totally a joke in Rick and Morty about a guy who's personal space man. And he has like a TV show where he, he doesn't want anyone in his personal space. Come out of my personal space. And then at the end of it, he like rips off his skin because he doesn't want his skin in his personal space. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that where it's like everyone who is going through this like dead and coming back to life is like obsessed with removing their skin. And I just kind of want to be like, why? Because maybe their skin is keeping them from commuting with their new god. Maybe. It just, it seems like... It's there a, seemed to be a certain amount of shape-shifting going on. It's a wonderful yeah. detail. I just, I, I want that sequel that it goes into depth where it explains why they remove their skin. I actually yeah. think this is, this I, is, I keep talking about Silent Hill. I think this is actually Silent Hillish in that way too, because it is a real mashup. There are a lot of things that are there just because... It's like a, a sort of a, a mashup of all of these things that influence them. I think like the skin coming off very Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2. The labyrinth in the basement of the hospital was oh extremely Hellraiser 2. I just watched that. The actual I, void I just rewatched it uh, last week. Yeah. The, the actual void itself <laughs> is that hellscape yeah. sort yeah. of thing. So there's that. Oh my god, Leviathan was kind of a triangle. It was. Um, <laughs> so there's, I think there's some some things like that that, that they threw, not threw in, because that makes it sound not deliberate, but things that they chose to include, not necessarily because they were meaningful, but because they yeah they played into the atmosphere. They felt right for this movie. They were stylistically correct. Conscious choices, even if they have no purpose, make you feel like there's purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. and you, you want to explain it. And, and the ambiguity of this movie is really great for that. It's Again, that's yeah. what people, so many people responded to from the first Silent Hill game. You didn't want like a 30 minute exposition moment where they explain everything because really... No. I I can I have can that be a special feature on the DVD? Like I would totally like just watch that. Be I, happy. I, I would probably not. I would tear my own skin off. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't need the continuity the, the no. way you do. I'm I I'm okay with the ambiguous. I really I, I I like the ambiguity of it. I really do. I accept the ambiguity and I enjoy it. I wouldn't change this film. I just I just like it. It would just yeah. add an extra thing where I'd be like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of films that that kind of rely on that ambiguity. I mean, like we were talking about Suspiria earlier. Uh, um, yeah. And and there it's some that, that you just serious atmosphere that that you Beyond can't the black explain. Fucking rainbow. I love that movie. Beyond the gate. I mean, even Raw is the same way. There's mm -hmm. no explanation or. Sadako versus Kayako, the original movies that those are based on. Entirely too much explanation. Yeah, well, that at that point, there was a lot of explanation, but like in the original Ringu, there really is no explanation as to why this tape exists. Yeah. Right. It's more like every, t every time you dig deeper, or there's a wonderful um, metaphor in the magician's novels, not that horrible TV show, but the actual books, which are amazing <laughs> and wonderful, where they talk about you don't ever want to look for the source of magic because... It's just a hole. Like you're just gonna keep digging and digging, and and the joke is that it's turtles all the way down. The joke yeah. is that sentient turtles. They are sentient turtles. <laughs> they are. So uh, ultimately, what do you guys think? I, frankly, when I'm when I'm looking back on this and and when I'm you know seeing what I enjoyed and what I did not care for, there wasn't a lot that I didn't care for. Um, so you know, out of five, I, I'm thinking like I'd give it like a like a three point five. You know, missing clitorises. So, <laughs> uh, clitori. 
Clitori. Clitorati. Yeah. Three, oh, 3.5 tentacle babies. How's that? 3.5 <laughs> tentacle babies. Um, I would say I love this movie, and it, it, it was a lot of my, my good spots. So I would give it a solid um, four out of five. Let's say four out of five um, skinless Mary Jane doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I really liked it a lot, too. I think it kind of started to drag slightly in the run-up to the ending. A lot of these movies do that for me. Uh, I think the atmosphere is always more effective than the reveal, almost always. But I still loved it. Uh, I've got to give it four out of five halfway smoked cigarettes. Puffs throw it away. <laughs> but it's two puffs for each one, so it's actually a total of eight puffs. Well, there you go. <laughs> eight puffs out of ten. Uh, eight puffs out of ten. Oh my god. Puffs plus. God damn it. <laughs> now more absorption. Right. Absorb. So, <laughs> so all right. Um, Jeepers. Moving Creepers. on, we're going to talk about Jeepers Creepers Three, which um, has actually changed his name. Its name. It was originally going to be called Cathedral. Now it's Ravenous. I, I really like Cathedral. It made me just made me flutter on my my inner soul. Definitely oh, plays up the whole Catholicism child molestation. It, oh my God. So we're not actually going to talk about that movie or its release or anything like that. What we're talking about is the, the, the controversy surrounding it and the controversy surrounding the premiere that was canceled because people were, are boycotting this film. It's the controversy of basically, do you connect an artist to their work? Can an artist's personal beliefs and actions be separated from what they create? Right. And and we know that the director, um, Victor Salva, um, Victor Salva, uh, Salva was convicted uh, of abusing uh, a, an actor by the name of Nathan Forrest Winters uh, in, uh, during the filming of Clown House. Um, so... People are obviously concerned about his treatment of young actors, uh, which was a big concern when he was taping, uh, Jeep, uh, taping, uh, filming Jeepers Creepers 2. There's a lot of kids in that There's a lot of kids in that one, a lot of teenagers. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I, I enjoyed the first two movies. I, I'm hesitant to give him money to make additional films. And, and I think... You know, the first Jeepers Creepers movie really turned a corner. It was a very different film. It was very, um, it kind of was the grungy style of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Um, kind of updated. And mm -hmm. before that grungy style came back. Yeah. Like that grungy style has been invoked for a while. We're almost moving away from it. Back to shiny horror, you know, sheen. Yeah. Um, it, it, I I have a solid stance on this, and it is I don't connect artists to what they produce, and a, and, and I I try to do this across the board. And my favorite example is Wagner's music. Bicart Wagner, the you know famous composer, mm -hmm. he was a horrible person. He was fucking he racist was, as shit. He was racist. He was anti-Semitic. He didn't like women. He was everything is bad about him as a person. But there is no way that we would be where we are musically without what he did. He was like Roald Dahl in musical form. Yeah, I mean, and, right. and Roald Dahl's another great example. Roald Dahl created fantastic children's book and mm -hmm. created these amazing stories that we've been using for years and years. And he was, and he was a terrible person. Really unpleasant. Yeah, I, I, still, I still fall back on the fact that Willy Wonka was a slasher film. But, and, and we've also so got H.P. Lovecraft who is pretty much the king of the racists. He was so racist. Was, <laughs> and his racism is so implicit in his writing. Like, Extremely. Yeah. You can want, you can, you know, you can go see Tristan und Isolde and mm -hmm. not come out of it going, he really hated Jews. Sometimes you read an H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft novel right. and you're like, oh, here is the 15 sentence diatribe about why black people are less than right. for yeah. no reason. The like, horror red hook is like, yeah. It's oh like, my right. god this oh, was Jesus. not necessary for the plot and thank the, you and then there's the cats yeah. in the wall the, the rats in the walls where his cat is explicitly named yeah. can yeah. i say that do i have to say n-word man I, I would prefer you said n-word okay n-word man yeah, <laughs> for fuck's sake uh, so implicit racism in your art i have a problem with unless it's telling a story you know if it's telling an important tale of like yes this person was racist and 
you know, we're learning, we're experiencing their view. Um, right. Well, oh, like when you're talking about like a book like Lovecraft Country, which is coming soon because the guy who's, who did Get Out, uh, Peel, is going oh, to be making a Jordan series Peele? out of Lovecraft Jordan Country, Peele, yeah. which makes me happy because I'm that down. book is amazing. Yeah. And Get Out was a great example of like, it's it not like, it, it, Get Out was a great example of like racism used with a purpose and not violent racism in the same way as much as just like no, it was about the, it was about appropriation. Yeah, it was about very much about my yeah. It was about we you know we still view black people as not needed and a commodity we can trade and use mm-hmm. instead of viewing them as legitimate people. Well, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Uh, we can talk about viewpoints in, in regards to racism, in regards to homophobia, uh, such as with um, Ender's Game. Orson Scott Card, who yeah. I, I mean, I'll borrow those looks, books from the library, but I'm not paying for them. And, and I, um, I love Ender's Game. I, and I adore those books. And he's written good things. He's written terrible things. He's a so-so mm-hmm. writer, honestly. I, I, I separate. I don't, I love what Ender's well, Game does and what it brings to me. Here's where I come down. Um, well, I, let me ask my question first, because sure. I didn't quite finish. Sorry. Um, Sorry. There, there is the political social viewpoint, but then there's this person legitimately hurt a child. Exactly where I was going. That's where I'm having that trouble because yeah. his art and his viewpoint in regards to that pales in comparison to what he did to this little boy. But there's also, and there's also so, the fact that he, that the fact that he was the director of a movie in which this boy was involved. Am I correct? It was one of his actors. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That that put him in a position to abuse this boy. That plays very differently from even from like Polanski, where you're like, okay, where you know. So the, then the argument, not necessarily my argument, but uh, the argument that you see a lot, and I see validity in it, even if I'm not on board 100%, is that yes, he did something wrong, but he was jailed. He did do his sentence that was brought down from him. Mm-hmm. He has continued to be watched like a hawk. He has continue to show proof that he's not doing this he Mm -hmm. is continuing to work and you know make a livelihood everyone is you know should be able to make a livelihood and work Mm -hmm. in there with their talents he is not an untalented person so it comes down to you know yes he did something horrible there's no argument he admitted it he's Mm -hmm. been he did jail time for it it comes down to we shouldn't punish someone eternally yeah. So if and if it, if it was you know oh he did this and he got out of going to jail and he yeah. got out away from this and it really hasn't touched him and he still has kids on the set and there's questionable things that happen and that's a different story maybe he shouldn't do this but right. he's he has repented and done what you're supposed to do in our society whether or not that works or whether or not jailing someone is an appropriate repentance those are all different questions i'm all about the i'm all about rehabilitation and repentance and i think that's i won't say fine but it is it's it's i'm not one of those you're stained for life you people that said it is really really easy to read that he gets out of jail and let's go make another movie right that actually it just that that does kind of bring that was he really punished it it reads it kind of reads it reads a little a little like well, this happened once before. Why? Why should we believe it's not going to happen again? Yeah, and that's that's but such that's a paranoid a, mindset and, that and I don't that like is to be punishing in. someone for life. It's not that I want him to be eternally punished. It's that I think he needs to earn his way back, and I don't think he's done that. But he's been suffering for a while with this, and he's probably never going to stop suffering for it. Right. Any movies he make are going to be tainted by this, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be controversy or people aren't going to be outraged. Mm-hmm. You know. We don't have any parents here, but I'm sure a parent would immediately argue that there is no forgiveness. He did right. something that is unforgivable. Right. Well, because and that's this why is you one can't of, trust parents. Well, and yeah. <laughs> well, it, it it's because this is one of the biggest taboos in our society. I mean, be, with good reason. With good reason, because I mean, kids are vulnerable. They're they're. Yeah. They can be easily exploited, and that's why people have a huge problem with this movie. Yeah, his movie probably isn't going to get the wide release he would want. 
and maybe no movie he ever does is going to get that release. And maybe after this, studios aren't going to give him money because they won't be able to market his films and he'll have to go indie and he'll have to fund things. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think... I have issues with a lot of mass boycotts where, you know, so many people say they're boycotting, but it rarely affects things in the same way as like a localized boycott or, you know, a boycott right. that actually Very can true. do something. Well, it, it's like when, when we were talking, uh, not we were talking, but when, say, Cruising came out, uh, people were boycotting because it was a a, uh, a, a negative the stereotype of homosexuality negative. is yes. extremely really negative stereotype. Uh, so, but this is a different kind of boycott. And, and I understand what you're saying about punishment. And it's such a, a tight rope to walk. It I, is. I, 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 and mm. he did it to himself he in did. the end. I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not saying that he should be completely forgiven and we should all forget. Right. But I just, I don't see a reason to boycott what could be a fantastic movie. I don't see a reason to attack something that not just him, but a lot of other people worked on. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to go see Jeepers Creepers 3. I never saw Jeepers Creepers 1 or 2. So why start now? Unless we have to watch it for the podcast, in which case I'll, you know, I'll grit my teeth and deal. But you'll yeah. bear it. Let's have a moment of silence for that joke. And that is a comment on our modern society. It is. It's horrible. Most of this will probably be cut. An awful lot of it, probably. Wow. It got really preachy. It did. It did. So, Which is fine. Maybe anyway. We can have longer episodes. We can. So anyway, that is our show. If you have any questions, complaints, uh, go ahead and email me at bob at candycodedrazor.com. Uh, you can also visit the site at candycodedrazor.com and my Twitter at candyrazorbob. You can reach me on Twitter at ohshutupandy. That's O-H, shut up, Andy. And you can reach me on Twitter at, at AlexJEALM, and I'll probably change that. <laughs> Just like always in the basement of the hospital. Yeah. Okay, so change. so go on and have your existential you know conversations regarding crime and punishment in America, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. The Candy Goated Razor Blades Podcast is a production of 99 Cultists and an industrial-sized bottle of color-safe bleach. It is distributed under Creative Commons License 3.0. Attribution, non-commercial, share alike. Visit us on the web at www.candycoatedrazor.com. Theme music is 13 Monsters by Lightning Bolt. Visit them on the web at www.laserbeast.com.